a blizzard of slush? This is way over our heads. It's a weather and climate podcast. I'm Jim Dubois. Kenny Blumenfeld's a climatologist. Kenny, it's been a while since we've chatted with each other. We've got a lot to talk about today. <laughs> yeah, it has. It has been a while. We we probably have to do a full catch up episode. That's what happens when you're in drought, though. Yes. Good to talk with you, Jim. Good to talk with you as well, Kenny. Well, it looks like something for everyone is coming our way. Uh, and we should mention, first of all, that this is a huge storm system impacting many parts of the country, and we're getting everything from blizzard conditions to the west. We're getting uh, the possibility of severe weather in other parts of the country, and of course, what we're going to be experiencing here over the next several days. So this is a, a monster storm, and it's one that's going to impact us for the next several days, correct? Yeah, you're right. So what, what is Tuesday, December 13th, and we are looking at one of the longest-lasting winter storms that I can remember. Now, let's be clear, the real teeth of this winter storm comes mostly Tuesday into Wednesday with a second bite on Thursday and then just a slow demise through the weekend. But this is, you know, like a five-day winter storm, six days. And, you know, that to me is something that's in and of itself, pretty fascinating because usually, you know, store a big, long-lasting storm will will affect the region for two or two and a half days. It's getting, you know, five days where any precipitation and wind that we get between now and the weekend, and even possibly through the weekend, any of that, even if it's a flurry, is caused by the same weather system. That's just something that's pretty unusual. We usually don't have weather systems sticking around that long. Well, Kenny, let's talk about the system itself. We have been uh, told that a monster storm is coming for, for days now. I think we got our first heads up maybe at some point the middle part of last week, maybe even earlier. So what exactly is triggering this and why is this storm so extensive? Yeah, great question. So this is the same, you know, we've talked about the different types of winter storms on previous podcasts, but just to kind of review, most of our winter storms come out of the West. That should be obvious. And they generally come from two main areas. Uh, one is east of the Rocky Mountains in Colorado. These are the, the Colorado Lows or the Alberta Clippers or the um, Panhandle Hookers. And then the second one is the, the one that I accidentally just said there, the Alberta Clippers, which come out of the Northwest. Uh, and those tend to be colder, drier, uh, faster moving weather systems. This one is a Colorado low. It came out of Colorado. It started gaining steam actually on and on Sunday and then got its act together a little better yesterday on Monday and is just now moving into the plains into Nebraska on Tuesday. So it's doing all of its intensification today. And typically one of these weather systems would get caught up in the jet stream, would travel at 100 or 150 miles an hour, and would be through the region in, you know, 12 to 24 hours. Those Colorado lows, uh, maybe they affect us for a day, maybe two days, but they generally move quickly and can go from, you know, the panhandles of Texas and Oklahoma into the Great Lakes in, you know, a day and a half or so. This one, though, is kind of blocked to the east. That's one issue. The other issue is when it was digging out the, from a trough 
uh, you know, a little U-shaped undulation in the jet stream, rather than um, being carried with the jet stream the way you might see, um, you know, a toy boat getting carried by the river, this one actually got kind of pinched off from the flow, cut off, formed its own little circulation that started drifting away from the jet stream. So now with nothing to carry it, it's just kind of waffling through the region. So it's going to do all of its intensifying today on Tuesday and then start in kind of plateau Wednesday and then diminish some on Thursday. But then a secondary shot of energy is going to uh, basically merge from the south and that will re-intensify it temporarily on Thursday. And then it's just going to hang out in Minnesota, Wisconsin into the weekend, producing less and less precipitation as it does. But there's you know, so the reason it's so extensive uh, in terms of its time is that it doesn't have anywhere to go because one, there's something, there's a different blocking weather system off to the east. And then two, it's also cut off from the main flow that would normally steer it uh, out of our region. That's why it's so temporarily uh, extensive. The reason it covers so much real estate is because this is a, a strong weather system. It's pumping up moisture from the Gulf of Mexico, and it's just sitting there circulating. And so all of this moisture, combined with the very slow movement of the storm itself, is just putting this huge shield of precipitation across the region. This kind of reminds me, that Jim, doesn't it sort of remind you of those you know winter storms of the 70s or 80s? I, I wasn't actually paying much attention. I was too young in the 70s. But in the 80s, I certainly remember, you know, watching the TV forecasts, the weather casts, and the a meteorologist would show a map that had, you know, big red area over Minnesota, part of Iowa, the Dakotas, you know, with winter storm warnings or travelers advisories, as they were called back then. And this kind of has that old-fashioned feel to it. I don't know if you noticed that. It does. I had a, uh, a twinge of nostalgia uh, when I looked at this storm system and thought, okay, I remember that from days gone by. Yeah. One thing that's a little different is that it's a much warmer storm than the, what we're used to in the this time of year. I mean, generally, winter storms that form December through February are going to have access to very cold air. And that's usually, you know, fact, think of all the winter storms that we've talked about, Jim, where especially in the winter, where it's, you know, you're kind of anchored in winter. Uh, usually we're talking about, you know, maybe rain or snow on one side of it, depending on where you are. But there's almost always a pool of cold air that comes in behind and uh, is part of what's invigorating the storm. You get that those strong northwesterly winds and the temperatures drop 20 or 30 degrees. That's not happening with this storm. There's just kind of no real access to the truly brutal Arctic air. So as a result, you know, we know up in the higher elevations in the Black Hills and up on, you know, in some favorite areas, it's going to be all snow and heavy snow. But for a lot of Minnesota, this is kind of a marginal temperature environment that could produce snow, it could produce sleet, it could produce just kind of a slushy combination, it could produce all of the above, and we know here in the Twin Cities it's going to produce probably some rain, and in southeastern Minnesota probably more rain than anything else. So this is one thing that's a little different from those um, nostalgia-inspiring storms of yore 
which uh, is that this one's just cut off from the really cold air. And as a result, you know, at least on, on the northern end of it, where you'd normally see all snow, we're going to have a mix of snow and a bunch of other things. Kenny, we talked earlier about the fact that the storm has been predicted now for multiple days uh, prior to it actually kicking off. But even though we knew a big storm was coming, there was still a lot of uncertainty as exactly where it would impact and uh, what kinds of precipitation would predominate in a particular area. Why has there been so much forecast uncertainty with this storm, and uh, why is there a lot of forecast uncertainty in general, depending upon the kind of models <laughs> yeah. we look at? <laughs> oh, that's such a good question. I mean, okay, so I think one of the one of the really important things to consider here is, you know, in a good, well-behaved snowstorm, typically big winter storm, the kind that this, you know, the classical kind that I just described. So you've got a big low pressure system, a surge of warm air out ahead of it, but very cold air behind it. There's usually a sweet spot somewhere to the left of wherever that low pressure system is tracking. That's kind of the rule of thumb. The, the heavy snow usually is just to the left, you know, 100, 150 miles to the left of the track of the storm. So if it's coming out of the southwest, then usually uh, a good track for Minnesota would, you know, go from, say, Des Moines to, uh, you know, maybe Eau Claire or Oshkosh, Wisconsin, that's a pretty good track for Minnesota seeing heavy snow. And usually in that area that's to the northwest of the low, in a typical winter storm, the temperatures uh, are no-brainers. They're so far below freezing, you don't even have to think about what type of precipitation you're going to get. However, with this one, the temperatures are all forecast, not just at the ground, which is important. The temperature at the ground kind of tells you how likely a given precipitation type is to, you know, either freeze or not freeze upon contact. But the temperatures aloft also tell you a lot about what type of precipitation is going to fall. And in both cases, this storm from all the different models is showing temperatures across the region that are either very slightly above or very slightly below freezing. And when you throw in the fact that the typical uncertainty that we just expect and accept with our uh, forecast models is, you know, a couple to a few degrees uh, of, of temperature range, you know, that's something that when you have a really cold system, you can easily forgive and you still know you're going to get all snow. But in a system like this, it really creates a headache because we don't know exactly where's the rain snow line going to be. Is there going to be a push of snow first and then it's going to be followed by, you know, sleet and freezing rain and then just rain? Is anyone even going to get freezing rain or are the temperatures just going to be too warm? And so this is kind of the thing that's plaguing the storm. If that, if that makes sense is that the forecast is right within the typical range of uncertainty. And of course, you know, whether something's above or below freezing, I mean, that's a really important difference. And uh, so this is why there have been all these, you know, I think the forecasts have actually been really consistent in saying, you know, heavy mixed precipitation. It's just that the forecasters have been honest that we're not positive what type of precipitation within that mix is going to predominate. We know, I think, that, you know, northern Minnesota is much more likely to have 
snow and heavy snow than say southern Minnesota. But the uh, you know the general mix at any one place is very hard to pinpoint. If that makes sense, does that make sense? It does, Kenny. And uh, yeah, it looks like we're going to have here in the Twin Cities area and uh, parts of Minnesota. It sounds like uh, less snow and more of other kinds of precipitation from rain to sleet uh, to possibly freezing rain, depending on the temperature of the uh, surface that the rain is falling on. But let's talk for a moment about something called the snow ratio. We often hear people say, you know, it rained, but boy, if that had been snow, we would have had, you know, tons of snow. And we hear of something called a snow ratio, the percentage of water to snow. And, uh, you know, a number that we get thrown out on often is uh, for every 10 inches of snow, you can expect one inch of water or a 10 to one ratio. But this really does not always hold true, does it? Oh, definitely not. And especially when you don't even know how much snow is going to fall. As I'm sure people can appreciate and intuit, you know, the, the main driver of that snow ratio is just the air temperature. How cold is it? How cold is it where the snowflakes are falling? And how cold is it as those snowflakes fall to the ground? Generally, you know, snowflakes have to form in uh, super cooled, you know, where the temperature is below freezing. They have to, you actually need that ice crystal to form. You're not going to get snow at all if the temperature where the precipitation forms happens to be above freezing. So you get your wettest snow, which means uh, you yield the least amount of snow for every volume of, of liquid precipitation uh, when the temperature is near freezing as the snow is forming or falling. And then as you get lower and lower temperatures in general, uh, you tend to get higher ratios yielding, you know, uh, more snow from an inch of water. So, you know, 15 inches of snow from one inch of water is something that you might see when the temperatures on average through that snow column are 20 degrees or lower Fahrenheit. Uh, and as you get down to, say, the teens or even the upper single digits, that's where you tend to get very effective snow to water ratios where you might get 25 or even 30 inches of snow from one inch of rain or one inch of precipitation. The thing is, though, then you start getting into the physics of how snowflakes fall and they're actually optimal temperature ranges and optimal parts of the atmosphere. And once the snow forming mechanism goes outside of that temperature range um, or outside of that region of the atmosphere, then you end up with less efficient snows. So we've actually seen uh, times where the temperatures like below zero or near zero, but there's snow forming, which you would think is going to give you these huge you know, ratios with really fluffy snow, but actually the snow formation is pretty uh, inefficient. And instead of forming nice snowflakes that we all typically associate that, you know, they look like the ones on postcards or that you make in crafts classes when you're a kid, they look like little needles and those don't pile up very well. And the, the main thing here is how much air gets into the snowflake. And when you have a nice, uh, you know, multi-sided uh, hexagonal snowflake, you get a better opportunity to put air in there and make it fluffy and have it accumulate. So bottom line is those snow ratios are 
you know, generally driven by temperature, but then there's other things. This particular storm does not have great snowfall ratios. Some of that's just because a lot of areas aren't even going to get snow or not get very much. So you might get an inch of precipitation, but only, you know, an inch of snow. That's certainly the case in places like the Twin Cities or um, western parts of southwestern Minnesota. In the northern areas where it's going to be colder, there will be, uh, you know, closer to that kind of classic eight to one or 10 to one ratio that you described. And, I, and we should just mention, uh, you know, if you just imagine the state of Minnesota right now, the eastern and southern parts where you go from the Twin Cities on south are really, at least for the first two days of the storm, not going to see that much snow. It's going to be sleet. It's going to be rain. Um, maybe some snow that doesn't really take, but I wouldn't expect more than a couple inches of snow in that region. And maybe, maybe even no snow, uh, as you get into parts of far Southern Minnesota for the first two days of this storm out in Southwestern Minnesota, it's more likely that snow and slush will accumulate as you get into Northern Minnesota, though, this is where the heavy snow is most likely. And especially, you know, North of, I guess basically north of a Fargo to Duluth line is where we're really going to see the snow amounts take off. But also because the winds are going to be coming out of the east for much of this storm, then the areas near Lake Superior are going to get hammered because there's already going to be precipitation streaming in and it's going to get enhanced by the moisture coming off of the lake. And I mean, they could get outrageous snowfall totals. It would be I wouldn't be surprised for by Thursday morning for parts of the higher terrain near Grand Marais and near Lutzen, uh, you know, kind of your favorite areas outside, even outside of two harbors and near Finland. Some of those areas could already have two feet of snow on the ground. And with this storm hanging around into the weekend, I would not be surprised if you get another one to two feet of snow in some of those areas. So parts of northeastern Minnesota could have ridiculous, you know, two to four feet of snow potentially by the time this thing winds down. You know, I, I think that those would be very isolated amounts, but I think up in the higher terrain, that's possible. The rest of northern Minnesota, it's looking like, you know, five to 10 inches of snow for the whole system. And then even as we get into the snow later, in the week and into the weekend here in the Twin Cities, we might get a few to several inches, but I'd say the main snow hazards are definitely off to the north. Well, best to keep your eye on your favorite source of weather information because things will be rapidly changing and uh, stay safe. Uh, be aware of road conditions, be aware of travel conditions, and um, kind of hunker down and enjoy winter. Yeah, indeed. And also it's going to be windy. So where the sleet or, or snow is falling, visibilities will be pretty low. I don't think you have much to worry about snow on the ground already. It's already fallen, then forming big drifts. It's just too wet and sticky to blow around much. But while it's in the air, whew, look out. Could be could be very low visibilities, especially in open country where it's sleeting and snowing the hardest. So, yeah, uh, hunker down. Have a good time, be safe, and, you know, I always tell people, try and enjoy it. Well, Kenny, thanks for the update, and we'll talk more about this system when you and I get together next week, and we'll kind of do a debriefing on it. Excellent.
Thanks, Jim. Good talking with you. Good talking to you as well. This is Way Over Our Heads. It's a weather and climate podcast. I'm Jim Dubois. Kenny Blumenfeld's climatologist. We'll catch you next time.